0: was Having a discussion with a student recently, and the question was uh, posed. It's kind of cute. You know you're always talking about truth, this whole idea of truth beyond name and form. you know, truth, truth Wait. wait. I didn't really know what that question was, but it's still the eh, you got the idea that it was frustrating. Uh, because how is it that we can refer to truth without it reflecting something personal? If I were to ask any of you, you know, what your personal truth is or what is true to you, it would be filtered through the lens of something that has a lot of uh, self in it. I don't know if this makes sense, but let me, let me just try to play this out. Um, when you find resistance arising, it typically shows up as negativity. When negativity arises, or Eckhart Tolle calls it the pain body, the pain body, okay, it comes up. Uh, this... Is a very natural outcropping of a personal truth that has been tweaked. It's had its nose tweaked. Right? And what it does is it lights up. Sometimes that flame can be fairly low, the level of heat fairly mild. Sometimes that heat can be really intense and ignite quickly nuclear fission quickly, okay? and if you, I'm sure several of you have experienced that based on the looks I'm getting right now. This is natural, this is very natural, this is what it means to be a human, is that we actually have feelings, okay? We have personalities, we have passions, we have attachments, they're juicy, every attachment is still a divine manifestation of infinity, of emptiness. All attachments come out of emptiness and they will die into emptiness. They're fine. It's just that they generate this thing called suffering, which in and of itself is a divine manifestation of the infinite. It's just fine. It's just that what we're studying here is that very thing, suffering, and a way of getting beyond it. Not so that we can eradicate it, so that we can erase it, so that we can stuff it, so that we can put it somewhere, so that we can kill it, but rather so that we can actually get to its roots and at that indeed radical level in the roots, we can begin to know it so fully, become so intimate with it that the tree can no longer grow in quite the same way. The tree of suffering, in fact, begins to take on a decidedly gorgeous look. If we can get beyond our personal truth. So how do we get beyond this personal truth? How do we in essence get into an impersonal truth? Well quite simply an impersonal truth is what's always there. The impersonal truth of which I'm speaking is actually maybe another way to put this is is to say it's the uh, the truth beyond the form of selfhood or the the name and form of self. It's the truth prior to the experience that we all have called I. The experience prior to I am. What is prior to I is simply am. Or if we make the infinitive being, it's just being, it's a radiant glow, it's a very quiet hum, it's a shimmer, that is, and it's not poisonal, it's what's looking out of these eyes right now, mine and yours. It's totally shared. And in that sharing, there is only this. Now, in that openness, in that impersonal truth, or as Stephen Colbert might say, in that impersonal truthiness. What do we find? Nothing. There's nothing there. And there is nothing more frightening to the personal than the idea of nothing. Which is why every one of us turns awakening to the truth beyond name and form into a thing, into a process, into a series of stages. And, you know, all that's well and good. That's fine. That's true. There's some, there's some truth to that. But the truth is only some. It's incomplete. The truth that I'm talking about or I'm trying to point toward kind of clumsily is way past that. It's past incompletion. It's so far past incompletion, it's prior to it. That'll sprain your brain. But indeed, what we're talking about here is what's prior to I. And if we can begin to kind of let that place percolate, let that sense, whatever it is, I mean, you can't think your way into, through, around, or out of this, okay. (laughs) You could try, actually go for it, go for it. You'll get really frustrated and then we'll have a docuson meeting or something. You'll tell me how frustrated you are and I'll probably say this exact same thing again and then you'll go, oh "Oh, oh, I get it now. And then I'll say, oh who gets it? You say, oh I get it. I'll go wrong (laughs) and then you know we're back to where we started, but at least we made some headway. It's essentially the way the way this kind of works. (laughs) Sucks, huh? Yeah. All kidding aside, um, there's no way that you can't awaken to this. Every one of you will awaken to this at some point. But Despite that fact, despite the fact that everyone will awaken to this at some point, it would be really marvelous to awaken to it prior to the inevitable end. Want to give it a shot? Teaching here, what we're uncovering, what I'm trying to communicate, um, I'm trying to communicate pointers, trying to point towards <laughs> uh, space. Everything is born from space, everything dies back to space. And so, all any spiritual teacher is doing, essentially, is, is endeavoring to point uh, in that direction. And then you get to take the walk. Now the teacher's taking the walk too, okay? There's, there's, no, uh, there's no end to this. But what's come up a great deal recently is, is you know, kind of, well, what's it like? Uh, you know, once we're enlightened, what's it like? I don't know, why don't you find out? Tell me, you know? Um, I get really kind of s- funny around those, those questions, although I think to a certain extent they are, are indeed appropriate. Um, it's just that, We put so much baggage, tie so much baggage, needlessly to the idea of enlightenment that it's very natural unfolding is oftentimes hindered. and it's unfolding occurs very naturally once we begin to open ourselves to the spaciousness that's always already here. So consider what is it in you that has always been right here right now? What within you has not changed since you were a little person. I don't know when your earliest memory was. My earliest memory, I think I've shared this with some, some of you, was when a guy came and fixed uh, the heater in our bathroom. And um, I remember he had a butt crack showing when he bent over to fix, fix the heater. <laughs> remember that, mom? Yes, his name was Woody. And all I remember is this, all right, I'm here to fix the, uh, I'm here to fix the heater. (laughs) I just remember hanging on to my mom going, this is going to be good, (laughs) you know, and that's all I remember. I don't remember anything after that. But what was there? What was there for any of you when you had your own personal version of Woody the repairman fixing your heater when you were a Tiny Top? What's your earliest memory? What was there that didn't change when you hit uh, puberty and everything was going crazy, physically, emotionally, neurochemically, you're just, it's crazy, physically, in in every which way, you're going just wacko. What was still there? What didn't change? How about when you hit 22, 23 years old? How about when you hit 30 and you had the snot beaten out of you, which is pretty much the way the 20s are designed? Any of you in the room here who are still in your 20s enjoy this time of snot beating outness. <laughs> When things settle down for you, what was it about you that didn't change? What won't change about you from this point to next week? Five years from now, what's not going to change? What is it about you that won't change? I'll tell you what will change. What will change are all the things that we would consider to be personal. Your body will change. Your thoughts will change. Your relationship to your thoughts, most likely, will change. Your opinions might even change. Your relationships, they may change. Everything will change, but there's something that won't change. There's something that will not change in the future and hasn't changed since before you were born, and that's truth, the truth of who you are. The truth of who you are, or the spaciousness that you are, has never moved. It's the part of you that is always right here, right now. Paradoxically, it's not really a part. It's an awareness. So when you hear people on, you know, sitting on cushions and so forth saying, be in the now, be in the now, be in the, I mean, this is a really, really good pointer, this is a great teaching because basically it's coming around saying, saying exactly this, it's saying, Recognize what you have always already been. Recognize the aspect of you that is change-less. Recognize what is always and forever still. And yet totally alive. So that's kind of that's what this teaching this version of the Dharma, or however you want to refer to it, that's, that's essentially what we're doing here, is we're looking very, very consciously and openly at who and what it is we think we are, and then backing up a little bit, taking that backward step, as we sometimes say in Zen, and looking at what has always been constant. Okay? What has always been constant? What's there prior to I? Prior to the birth and the moment of I, What's there? Space. Space is there. Truth is there. But the beautiful thing and the mystery of this is that despite the fact that space, truth, emptiness, whatever you want to call it, is there prior to I, it can meet itself through us. When awareness kisses awareness, all things awaken. Okay? That was my little hand puppet dance for enlightenment right there, okay? (laughs) It's it's when, when awareness literally sees itself through the experience we call me suddenly truth is revealed and it's not personal. It's bigger. Suddenly, we are no longer bound by all the ideas and opinions we have about this body or, better yet, the opinions and belief systems we have about that person's body or those people's body. All those boundaries kind of start to become deeply permeable. And what flows in and out? Truth. Now, if I were going to play physicist right now, I could say it's already here just in the way we are sitting here. If I were going to go over there and give Michael a high five and so forth. Okay. Cause that's what he and I do. Okay. <laughs> give you a high five. Would our hands actually touch? Actually no. They don't actually touch. There's a charge that repels. It feels like they've touched, but there's no actual touching. There's space in between, always. But then again, what are we made of? We're made of space and these little, uh, you know, vibrating strings, if you're in a string theory or, you know, subatomic particles, it's all spinning. It's all here. It's all dancing but we tend not to pay attention to that, just like we tend not to pay enough attention to our own experience that we can get beyond the ownership of our experience. It's so easy for us to buy into this is mine, that is yours, which is true perhaps, but it's a partial reflection of a much deeper and bigger truth. Put another way, the ego is true, it's real, there is nothing wrong with it, but it is forever stuck on a lower rung of the developmental or spiritual ladder. Its view is never quite as as expansive as what can happen when when we begin to uh, uh, endeavor very consciously and purposefully and intentionally in a stillness practice. So let's say Divine Providence shows up, strikes. You have this amazing experience of what seems to be awakening, awakening to this truth where the body is seen as an experience and the mind is seen as an experience. Rather than being the whole story, we see that there is something much bigger, much deeper that there's a conscious orientation we might be able to have, and it's still. But there's something about it that's alive. We start recognizing that we are no longer compelled to cling to our thoughts. We're no longer compelled to cling to our emotions. We're no longer compelled to cling to stories about what should be or what shouldn't be, and yet we can engage in the world as agents of change because we see that we are change. How is it that we go back into the world? How do we go back into the world if suddenly, you know, uh, the house, so to speak, is turned upside down? How is it that we reconfigure a life Wherein awakening has burst through. How do we do that? Well, first step is choose wisely. As awareness, as stillness becomes conscious, as this moment is recognized fully as the only thing that there ever is, other than the theater of mind that's going on. We begin to look at the theater of mind and think, oh, that is cute. That is real. oh, that is. Pr- Let's see, should I watch my mind or mad men? Hmm. <laughs> I happen to like mad men, but there's still nothing more entertaining than our own minds, okay? And so being able to watch that and being able to rest as the watcher of our own internal um, TiVo surfing, you know, when we can be the watcher and recognize that there's nothing there. And then we can bring that openness, that nothingness back into the world. What we'll notice is there isn't a lot of fear. (laughs) Why? Why? Because there's no division. We are indeed undivided. We are no longer this or that. We are neither this nor that. And yet, and here's the wacko piece of this, we're both. We begin to surf between two realities and yet they're one reality. One reality says it's impersonal. It's ultimate, it's absolute. It's all one thing. And the other reality says it's all many things. There is this and that, there is discriminating awareness. But this discriminating awareness that I now have is no longer colored or clouded by the judgments I always use to bring into things. And this is one of the beauties of uh, allowing this mystery to unfold in us as we start climbing a little higher on the ladder, suddenly the old skin that we've inhabited doesn't injure in quite the same way. One of the scariest things, uh, and I was absolutely compelled, I had to look at it was in my grandfather's Bible. He had, uh, there's a picture of Saint Sebastian, you know what I'm talking about? Saint Sebastian is really, I hope I'm getting this right, he had all the arrows going through him, and he wouldn't die. Do you know what I'm talking? You know, the Bible is filled with some really gross stories. They're awesome. Anyway, so as a little kid, I'm looking at this, and I'm looking at this, you know, this guy with this kind of this pathetic look on his face, and he has arrows just shot through everywhere, bleeding everywhere, and he, and he wouldn't die. I'm like, what is that? And then I, I vaguely remember my grandfather saying, oh, you should put that away now. <laughs> and so I kind of, oh, okay, thanks, you know. Um, uh, and then on my own, I, I, I don't know how. I guess it was probably in my kindergarten class. I asked my teacher or something like, some brutal like that. to say, "Oh, that's Saint Sebastian. He believed so strongly in God that he wouldn't die." Um, it wasn't it wasn't that he believed so strongly in God that he wouldn't die, but that his relationship to to get Shakespearean about it, the slings and arrows of outrageous fortune didn't affect him in the same way. The same is true for any of us as we begin to open more and more and more and more to what is. As we become more and more available, okay, to that kiss from emptiness, to that kiss from the impersonal. Kiss back. I'm reminded of uh, teenage and how the scariest moment for just about every guy in this room, they will agree, then they're gonna nod silently like this, is the first time that you go in for a kiss on a girl that you're attracted to, okay? And you're so afraid they're gonna start like four wheeling back, you know, whoa, 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 and you're like, oh, you know? (laughs) But you're the guy that's, the guy kind of has to, you know, make the move. Now, of course, things I'm sure have changed right now, and I don't want to hear about it because (laughs) I'm raising girls, but the, the, (laughs) the fact of the matter is, that moment where it's quiet and it's still, And there's nothing that can be said, but you're either open to that moment or you're running. And there's not much that's in between. And if there is an in-between, it's what we call totally awkward. (laughs) And the same is true for our spiritual work. It's best to be absolutely available to this kiss. It's also really natural to be petrified. Give yourself a break in this regard. If I were to ask any of you in this moment right now, who are you? Or what are you? Most of you, after getting through some superficial answers, well, I am this body. Is that it? No. Well, there's more. What? Well, I am, I am this name. Okay, great. What else? I am, a, I am a son. I'm a father. I'm a teacher. I'm a student. What else? Uh, we could keep going and going and going until you finally hit this spaciousness. And that spaciousness sounds like this. I don't know. And the I don't know every one of us has grown up with the I don't know being equal to wrong when in fact I don't know in spiritual work is nice job rest there why? because it's chaotic it's undefined there's no way mind can attach to it it's open And so what do we do? We just gut it. And this is where it takes, uh, it takes a little resolve. Because every one of us will meet with that point where this is too scary. And the encouragement that a Sangha can offer is that, yeah, it is too scary. And I'm right here next to you. It's where a teaching can be helpful and the teacher can be helpful. It's this little laboratory we've kind of created here that actually is very, very helpful in creating a deep shortcut to awakening, to that truth that is prior to I, that is always before all things. So as a homework assignment, try exploring that question on your own. Instead of saying, who am I actually? I like, what am I better? What am I works? What am I? And really look at it. What are you beyond all the roles? What are you beyond all of the vanity? What are you beyond all of the attachments? Start looking. And when you recognize that there's nothing there, instead of letting ego immediately jump into the experience or personal you know, uh, uh, our small self jump into the experience and immediately start creating some type of war, judgment, or resistance to what is. Be very aware of that. It, be very aware that it's going to try to do that, and let that awareness carry that moment. And then, once awareness can carry that moment, you're available for the kiss. And if you don't get kissed, that's okay keep making yourself available for this very, very natural thing to occur, because it'll happen. It takes some patience. It takes some fortitude. It takes some commitment. It really takes a sense of humor, and it takes love, not only for your your fellow human beings and and everyone else on the planet and every other thing on the planet, but also for yourself. Be patient. All things change, but there's something that's changeless. Uncover that and then integrate that realization in how you are living in the world And Buddha wakes up in your socks. Any questions? Especially those of you, those Buddhas that are wearing socks. I'm interested in your questions. (laughs) You don't have socks. Can I tell you a quick, this is super fast, um, I'm with my brothers in, and uh, my fiancé at the time, Allie, in Bangkok, Thailand. It's our last night in Thailand, uh, Matt and Mitch are are, are going home and Ali and I are going to stay there for an extra couple months and we go to this, we, we get in this cab, we're fairly far away from our, 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 uh, our hotel, and we get in this cab and we go, hey, listen, we just wanna, we wanna have a drink and, and dance. Is there any place around here that you'd recommend? And We should have known that just based on the guy, uh, you know, the way he was talking to us, the, the demographic. You know, he was he was easily 75, 80 years old and had glasses this thick, which made us nervous anyway. But, oh, hell, we're in Bangkok, you know. Let's see how this guy can drive. He goes, I know just the place. And, and we, we almost got in like three or four accidents. We're like hanging on like this. And he lets us out in this really upscale hotel. <laughs> and keep in mind, we are... Absolutely, we, we, all ha- we all have beards, except Allie, she, she didn't grow a <laughs> We have beards, we're just looking, we are looking totally, totally straggly and everything, and we're in our, you know, Chaco sandals and everything, we're total travelers. And we get out, and we're like, there's no way they're going to let us in here. <laughs> and so we walk downstairs, and the doorman looks at us, and he goes, oh, has this horrible look on his face. And he says, in an in unintelligible accent, My brother, Mitch, thinks he hears the following. You need to wear socks. (laughs) (laughs) And so Mitch is like, you got it. And he comes, he comes, he goes, okay, let's do it. We just got to get socks. <laughs> we're, we're in shorts. I mean, we're going to look so awful, you know? So we we walk outside, uh, and lo and behold, if there isn't a Boots Pharmacy, uh, which has everything under the sun, for any of you who've ever done any traveling internationally, Boots Farm has everything, including socks. <laughs> and so Mitch grabs up pairs for each of us and he gives each of us. Now, I, of course, had wide striped socks. Thanks, buddy. Anyway, so we're we're putting on the socks and everything. We walk back down and the guy looks at us and he says, no! No, not socks. Socks! He meant slacks. But he let us in anyway. And so... (laughs) So what was your question? Oh, it was horrible. I looked absolutely like something out of hell. I really... Imagine the worst tourist look you could imagine. And then it got worse. It got worse. Yeah. Anyway. Um, Sorry about that. It's a really simple question. Mm -hmm. If it doesn't make sense, just... You got it. All right. Where is the meeting place between my experience and your experience? Right here. But if somebody were to say to you as teacher, Mm -hmm. it doesn't make sense, Mm -hmm. and my experience feels different from your experience. It is. Can you repeat that question? So yeah, oh sure, 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 sorry, sorry. The question was, where is it, let let me, hopefully I'll get this right, where is it that your experience and my experience meet? And I said right here and then it sounded like the follow up question was where is it that your experience and my experience differentiate is that about right well yeah but not well i want to get it i want to nail it so so it's both at the same time well in other words in other words our experience is one mm-hmm. on the one hand we are literally spirit in all of, all, of its, all of its grandeur and tininess right here. So it's all one on the one hand. Yes, and it's through, it that it's through experience that awakening sees itself. Experience, wait, experience. When you have an experience, an experience is a pointer towards awakening. An experience is never awakening. An experience is precisely not awakening. The experience, whatever experience you have, Gina, is born in time, right? Boom, wow, 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 okay? That's not awakening. Awakening in in our terms, uh, you're nodding your head, so I'm thinking you get this isn't the experience it's beyond the experience but the experience has given us exactly the right direction uh uh onto which we can tread you know but you had said something in your talk um which is where that question came from that through experience the infinite sees itself yes through experience okay which is what we call it the infinite sees itself okay so, in other words, the infinite is never not seeing itself, okay? But when we become conscious of the infinite seeing itself through us, okay, suddenly, it's not that the infinite has gotten any bigger. <laughs> it's like, okay, now it's big. Okay, no. It's that suddenly the infinite, the, uh, the how do I want to say it? The infinite's ability to communicate has become more varied. When the infinite communicates through us consciously, there is awakening. Now go get some socks. Is there one? Did I miss? Yes, ma'am. Last last week you listed the qualities of a, I I don't think good student, but the qualities one would wish for in a student. Number one was to aspire toward boy. Yeah. To to want that kiss. Yeah. But isn't that attachment, and doesn't that cause suffering? Sure. <laughs> However, <laughs> the cool thing about aspiration in this work is, well, let's put it this way, if, if you guys, uh, everybody in this room just said, yeah, you know, I don't, I don't want anything. an awakening, pff, Who needs it? You know? Why would you show up? I mean, let's call a spade a spade, everybody's in here because we want to awaken to what is beyond name and form. We want that truth, we want that kiss, yeah? Don't deny it, no, follow it. Follow it totally, which is exactly why I said like at the beginning uh, uh, of our sitting tonight. I said, go ahead and you know, crave all you want because what you will find is, wasn't it William Blake who said, a fool who follows his folly will become wise? If I got that right, I'm really impressed, actually. (laughs) But it's really true. If we begin to follow our aspiration, our desire, if we begin to follow that attachment to its core, guess what we find? Nothing. (gasps) Okay? And so, what do we do? We use our attachments that exist naturally. We begin to study those attachments that exist naturally as a way of uncovering their falsehood. So aspiration is key in this. Even though, yeah, it leads to attachments, but those attachments are fine. Play them out. Watch where they take you. Because they will take you like every other thing in the universe. They are a red carpet into the house of God. Every single thing leads to awakening. (laughs) (laughs) even dirty diapers <laughs> I really leaned into it there didn't I yeah i um i need to say how <coughs> Thankful I am for this group. Uh, there have been some really beautiful shifts that have occurred recently. I'm not really sure that I need to or want to put a real fine point on it. But um, I keep getting the sense that people really enjoy being here. And I really do. And I don't think there's anything more important than this work. And it is so, I don't say this very much, but it's so inspiring watching you guys work so hard. This is not easy. I'll be the first one to tell you. Okay? I I was the bloodiest of all horses in this process. Keep it up, let this take you somewhere. It will. Thanks for coming tonight.